Another edition of the Bowlers Extra Podcast now coming your way as uh, we get ready for Purdue football at Minnesota on Friday night and Purdue basketball getting ready next week to to go to Florida and uh, take on Liberty in the first game of the now-known, I believe, Space Jam Classic, something like that, Space Coast Jam Classic. I don't have no idea. Used to be the Cancun challenge. You got moved to Florida because of COVID. Uh, but anyway, we're getting overlap season now. Uh, we'll talk some basketball. Big Ten schedule came out on uh, Wednesday. Uh, interesting uh, slate of games for Purdue. And, of course, uh, Friday night's game uh, coming up uh, at Minnesota. Uh, recording this uh, Thursday afternoon. And by now, you probably know that uh, Aiden O'Connell is a game-time decision. Uh, Jeff Brom revealed that on uh, Wednesday during his uh, local media session. And you know, Jeff was asked just how Aiden's week of practice went, and that's when he said he's, he's a game-time decision. Uh, it's interesting that Jeff Brom would reveal that, but when asked about Rondell Moore, he doesn't provide any details uh, at all, and it's his right and it's prerogative. It's just there's a lot of inconsistencies there how he how he deals with the uh, uh, the injury situation. You know, I I do think he tries to answer every question as best as he can. You know, based on what he can say and what he can't. Uh, but there are a lot of inconsistencies there, and who knows? Some of it's probably just trying to throw the other team off as much as possible. And but I would I, I was surprised that he. That he that he said that O'Connell was a game time decision because you probably want to keep that under wraps until game time, uh, just to throw off uh, uh, Minnesota. Not that they would not have figured it out during warmups and probably not seeing O'Connell out there uh, would would have uh, forced them to you know change a little bit or at least have some idea. Uh, what Plummer can do, and you know, Plummer, Jack Plummer played against them last year, uh, and all teams prepare for every single type of scenario, so they they have an idea, and I, it's it's pretty clear that uh, Aiden O'Connell will not play on uh, Friday. Uh, he won't start; probably won't even be at the game. But uh, Jack Plummer is is you know, we'll just say likely, strongly likely to 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 get the nod. Uh, on, on on Friday night and you know how much does that change uh, Purdue's offense at all uh, probably not a, a whole lot um, there there's I, I would say there, uh, there probably wasn't a lot of separation between O'Connell and Plummer in training camp uh, but you know Jeff Brown went with Aiden uh, to start the uh, start the year and you know O'Connell has played well I mean he played you know he had some up and down moments against uh, Iowa but got them in the end zone late um, and then, you know, his accuracy was spot on against Illinois. Uh, then, you know, making the, the third down play to David Bell to seal the game was uh, an excellent throw and an excellent catch. Uh, but he'd only missed six passes that game. Uh, and accuracy is his strength. And when he's not accurate, um, you know, Purdue's offense doesn't, doesn't move as well. And he only completed, uh, I believe 54.9% of his passes against, uh, um, Northwestern, uh, which is the lowest uh, completion percentage for him as a, as a starter. Uh, you know, when he gets above 60, 62 percent, 
Um, that's when Purdue's got. Uh, that's when Purdue has won its games when he's when he's been a pinpoint passer. So, but anyway, yeah, I, you know, this is going to be Plumber Show uh, on Friday night, and we'll we'll see after that uh, how much uh, how much uh, uh, Plumber stays, or if uh, if O'Connell comes back uh, as they get ready for uh, Rutgers during uh, Thanksgiving week. But you know, in this case, Purdue can turn to an experienced player in Jack Plumber. Uh, obviously knows the offense, got a lot of time last year, started six games. You know, as I mentioned, did play against Minnesota, came in for Elijah Sindelar after he and Rondell Moore both got uh, hurt on the same play, um, you know, but made a good account for himself. And I thought as the year went on, uh, Jack Plummer was showing improvement um, in doing the things that Brom obviously wanted him to do, but, you know, his decision-making was quicker, his – his um, uh, whether he was going to run or not, you know, came faster as a, as he got deeper into every start, and it was just an unfortunate um, injury against Nebraska where he you know suffered a broken ankle uh, on a on a running play, and then O'Connell came in, and uh, I think you know the rest of it by then. Uh, so that's the last time that we that we saw Plummer in a game it was against Nebraska last year in early November. Uh, but you know he's strong arm. He's probably more athletic. Well, he is more athletic than than O'Connell. Uh, so he he does give you a running element that you have. You know that I think defenses have to be fearful of uh, more so than O'Connell, who is not a runner, not a strong runner at all. And when you're you know limping around the way he was uh, against uh, Northwestern, um, you know really probably hampered his ability to get out of the pocket and escape some danger that he was in last week against Northwestern and, you know, led to some sacks. Um, and then obviously the, the fumble and the scoop, you know, was the, the difference in the game, uh, last week. But, um, you know, Connell has, you know, I think this season has played well and obviously he did enough to earn the starting job, but now this is going to be plumber, um, plumbers, plumbers team for, for at least for Friday. And, you know, he, he, he was able to establish a pretty good connection last year with David Bell. Um, he would have thrown to Rondell Moore in the TCU game because Plummer did start that game because uh, Sindelar had suffered a concussion at the end of the Vanderbilt game. So Jack came in and started the TCU game, which was a rough start against that defense. Um, you know, that was uh, – that was a rough beginning for him, and it wasn't a surprise it was a rough beginning. Uh, I'd like to know the record of Gary Patterson and his defense against first-time starting quarterbacks uh, throughout his career. I'm sure that he's he's wreaked a lot of havoc on those guys. But, again, I you know I thought his plumber moved on. Uh, now, he did get sacked ten times, or it, it was not all on him. And I don't – I have to probably rephrase that, but Penn State had ten sacks against Purdue in a game that Plummer started – uh, and Purdue just could not do anything offensively that day, that game. Uh, made some plays against Iowa, if I recall, and obviously had a, had a really good game against Maryland, uh, where Milton Wright had, had, had caught a long touchdown pass, and you know Jack I think had a pretty got a high percentage that day completion wise. So I, I thought he was improving as the as the year went on, and I thought he did a he was doing a good job. He looked like he was settling into the the starting quarterback role even though he wasn't getting uh, much of a run game 
as support as support that uh, that he needed, and that's going to be the interesting thing on Friday. Is you know no matter who plays quarterback, uh, Purdue needs to generate some yards on the ground, and they need to do it against a defense that has not been very good against the run. And as I've been saying all week and writing all week, just because Iowa did it, just because Maryland did it, um, and just because uh, Michigan did it, and when I say did it, just because they had uh, great success on the ground against Minnesota, doesn't mean Purdue automatically will have great success on the ground against Minnesota. You know, Purdue's a different kind of team than those other three, um, but they, they need to have success on the ground. And what that equates to, you know, we're going to have just to wait and see. Um, you know, Purdue hasn't rushed for over 200 yards, I think, in 22 straight games. And not that Purdue is considered a uh, – Purdue's program is considered a rushing – dominant rushing uh, program. But, you know, I, th- I think that tells you kind of where they've been in the rushing game. But they can't have two yards like they had against Northwestern. Uh, but they've got to be able to get Xander Horvath out in open space. They've got to be able to get him through the tackles. Uh, they've got to be able to pick up some yards on the ground. And you do that, that's going to open things up uh, in the passing game and allow your offense to become uh, more balanced. And um, But that's going, to be, that's going to be really important. And uh, But Purdue should find success running the ball, whatever that level is. Uh, may be it may not be at the level that Minnesota has been giving up, but it still needs to find uh, a high level of uh, production there, and then you let the passing game go from there with David Bell. And you know, uh, I am anticipating Rondell Moore playing, or at least getting out there um, and seeing that it, if he can play, uh, which would be a big boost uh, to the offense, big boost to the team, um, and then for the one a few times, we'll say, because it did happen last year. You had David Bell and Rondell Moore on the field uh, at the same time for only 96 plays uh, last season. You know, then you're going to have Moore and Bell. You know, what do how do defenses uh, handle them, and how does Minnesota's defense handle it? And, and again, it's not a very good defense, at least based on what they've shown. Uh, so, can Purdue and, and Jeff Brom take advantage of that with the weapons that they have? Uh, spread the ball around a little bit more than what they did last week. Uh, against uh, uh, Northwestern. You know, O'Connell seemed to get fixated on David Bell, which is not a bad thing, but, you know, there are times you got to get off that and, and move it around a little bit. And, you know, he was he was hesitant, What didn't have as much time as he had uh, in the first couple games. Uh, that probably led to some rush throws and uh, trying to fit the ball into places where it, it wasn't going to work. Uh, but now, as I said, this you know, look for Plummer to, to get uh, – uh, get the playing time, and that would move Austin Burton up to number two quarterback uh, for for this game. And then after that, we'll just we'll just kind of see. But you know, it's an important game for Purdue. Uh, I think they need to get back on track. Um, you know, a lot of things went wrong last week, in part because Northwestern was just better at, at, in a lot of different places, including the line of scrimmage. Uh, but you know, you, you want your defense. Yeah, Purdue's defense that continued to play well, continued to rotate guys, uh, continued to stay fresh in the third and fourth quarter, and you know keep putting that pressure up. You know they're able to to get off the field a couple times and give the ball to the offense with a chance to tie the game. The offense just couldn't get it done, and in part to Northwestern's defense. But you know I think 
you got to like the way Purdue's defense has played for the most part. Yes, they gave up a long touchdown drive to start the game, gave up, gave up another long one. But, you know, this isn't a three and out defense. This isn't a, you know, a shutdown type of defense. They've, they've been clear. They're, they're the bend, don't break type of defense, defense, but they're, they're, you know, they need to, to bend a little bit more than break, you know, with some of these, uh, long, uh, scoring drives that have been, uh, uh, uh that have, that have come against them. Uh, so, but overall, I don't, it, it's hard to be completely unhappy with how the defense is played. Now they get a stern test Friday with, uh, Minnesota's running back, um, and then the receiver, and then the quarterback. You remember, Tanner Morgan was 21-22 last year against Purdue. Six of those passes went to Rashad Bateman uh, for 177 yards. And they were just on quick quick slants, uh, read option type of things. So Purdue should be in a better position, better equipped to handle that. And, you know, Minnesota just has not clicked offensively like they did last year. But, you know, it doesn't take much. I mean, they have they have some talent. On that team, they have a lot of talent on that team. Their offensive line last year was huge. Um, so when it does click, um, it's going to be tough tough to stop. But Purdue's got to make sure it doesn't click. You, know, you, you would think that if Purdue would get up a little bit early, get a touchdown or two lead, maybe, maybe that plays with the psyche of Minnesota um, a little bit because they've been down in, in these games uh, against really good teams. And, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe Purdue can build off that. You know, the one thing you don't want to do if you're Purdue is like give them some early scoring opportunities, allow them to gain some momentum and confidence, and then you're fighting uphill the rest of the game. Uh, But this is a big game. You know, I think Purdue, if Purdue can win this game, then I think that sets them up pretty well for the the stretch run uh, where they can at least stay in the Big Ten West conversation. They, They would need a lot of things to happen. Uh, but they would stay there. You would have an opportunity to to finish second or third at, at that point if you can finish out strong. Um, and again, there's a lot of lot of lot of games left to be played. A lot of things um, have to happen. You know, I have no idea what games will be played and won't. Like I think today, they announced the Maryland Michigan State game would not be played uh, due to COVID concerns within the Maryland program. Um, so that's another Big Ten game uh, wiped out. Um, so. You just got to, you know, hope that you can play every week and then take advantage of it. You know, Purdue's schedule is favorable for them, assuming they can get all their bodies healthy, and that includes George Karloftis, who I would anticipate playing as well. Uh, probably see King Drew a little bit more than what what uh, what happened last week, which will be a positive in the running game uh, to give Horvath a little bit of a break. Um, so it'll be uh, it will be an interesting Friday night. Uh, in, in Minneapolis, uh, not going to be bone chilling cold like it has been, but still, it's late November. It's Minneapolis uh, at night. You're you know you're going to be at temperatures around freezing, probably a little bit lower. And you know Purdue's got to be able to adapt and adjust and fight through it. You know they have not. You know last week there was you know some rain and things like that, uh, but overall, as you know, I think we've we've talked about and mentioned that you know Purdue has not been a a good team in bad weather. And I don't think Friday night's going to have bad weather, but it's just going to be cold. And you've got to be able to to fight through that. I mean, it's not, you know, it's late November in Indiana. It's not going to get warmer as the season goes on. You've got 
Saturday after Thanksgiving. Then you've got the first weekend of December. You've got the second weekend of December. It's going to get colder. And you're probably going to have either snow or rain at some point again uh, that you have to deal with. But that's that's the 2020 season. Anyway, uh, stay stay in touch with jconline.com before the game uh, for any updates. And obviously throughout the game and then after the game uh, for our uh, complete coverage. Uh, Big Ten men's basketball schedule came out on Wednesday. Uh, 20 game season, which uh, we all knew that was going to happen. But, you know, with uh, the unbalanced schedule, you know, how many, who are you playing twice? Who are you playing once? When does it happen? Uh, I thought Purdue early, you know, early on, Purdue, uh, Purdue received a, uh, a punch to the gut in the, uh, in the early rounds here as far as, you know, trying to get off to a good start. You get Ohio State to open uh, the year, but that'll be at Mackey Arena and then, Purdue would go to Iowa, uh, which Iowa is considered one of the front runners this year, and they also have a game on January second at Illinois, which is the other front runner this year. You also got a game at Rutgers uh, before you play Illinois. So three of their first five are on the road, and they're two of them are against the the top two teams at least uh, by uh, preseason predictions uh, in the league. And Rutgers, I think, is a you know very you know, extremely improved program. Rutgers beat Purdue last year at Mackey Arena. Also beat him out there. Uh, so that, that it's a very, uh, to me, a very difficult opening couple weeks uh, for the Boilermakers uh, with a team that doesn't have any seniors. And you don't know exactly when you're going to get Eric Hunter Jr. back. Uh, and you, you are going to lean on the freshman to do some things. Um, I think it's going to be a very difficult schedule early to navigate uh, for this team. Um, but a lot of these guys also played last year. Uh, so there, at some point that that's, that experience does have to kick in. Uh, you've got one of the better low post, post players in the Big Ten with Travion Williams. You've, they've got, you know, the offense has to run through, run through him. And, uh, you know, they've, they're going to have to make better decisions out on the perimeter. Uh, you know, a lot of their decision-making last year from the guards area was not very good, and I think that led to the poor offensive quality that they had. But, you know, you still have to, you know, you still have to deal with those things. You're going to have some young guys out there uh, trying to run the stuff. Uh, you, you don't have as many non-conference games. You don't have an exhibition game. You don't have a, a scrimmage where you can iron some of this stuff out. You just jump into the deep end at the very beginning and kind of see where it takes you. Yes, everybody has to deal with it, and that's, you know, that's that's part of it. But every team is different. But, you know, I think it's a you know really kind of a tough start for Purdue. Um, because I mean, this is not a championship team right now. You know, let's, let's call it what it is. It's not a, Purdue is not considered a championship team in the big 10. doesn't mean they can't move up and, and be in the conversation, but as of right now, they would not be labeled at that. You get through those first five games at three and two or, you know, four and one, then, you know, you are, you'd have a different conversation at that point. But, um, you know, and that's just going to be a difficult stretch. And then you squeeze in there after Ohio State and, be, and, and before Iowa, you've got the Crossroads Classic against Notre Dame. So Purdue will go Ohio State, Notre Dame, at Iowa, Maryland at home on Christmas Day, at Rutgers, and at Illinois. Yeah, that's, a, that's a tough stretch. That's a, that's a stretch that will prepare you for the NCAA tournament. And, you know, and that, that should help this team. But they can also find themselves in a, in a pretty big hole. Uh, if they're not careful, 
because you don't you just can't walk into Mackey Arena this year and win a game based on the crowd and everything like that because you're not going to have any fans other than your parents and some family members. Uh, so you don't have that intimidating presence for the visiting team that you had where you can just kind of say, well, Purdue's at home, you know, they, they'll, they'll win the game because they usually win at home. You don't have that now. So it, it's going to be different for them. But, you know, the, the one thing that you are fearful of that is they, they, they get in the hole early based on the schedule and just kind of, you know, find it difficult to climb out of as you find yourself just climbing out of it as, as much as you can throughout the year. But, you know, the schedule does lighten up a little bit after that, but it's the Big Ten. It doesn't really lighten up. They'll get a few more home games than they did at the beginning, uh, you know, and then they'll finish the year uh, by playing four of their last seven at home, including back-to-back games against Wisconsin uh, in Indiana. But, yeah, again, it's the it's the Big Ten. Um, you just, you know, we saw that last year. Purdue went to Nebraska and got beat. Um, so, uh, and you know, they needed a late run against Northwestern to avoid getting beat up there. Um, so there's this, you, you just don't know. Uh, you think if, if you would, from Purdue standpoint, you, you'd probably like those first five games spread out a little bit more where Iowa and Illinois were not that close together. But I mean, but the other part of that too, is that Iowa and Illinois are single plays. You, you don't play them again. Uh, so you are getting them out of the way early. And if you, ha- if, and if you happen to, to sneak one of those out, then Purdue would be in a good position. But you've got to sneak one of those out. You know, and they're single plays. Um, you got Iowa, you got Illinois, you got Michigan at home. Um, you got Northwestern um, at home. You got Wisconsin at home. Of course, you're playing um, IU twice. You're playing Ohio State twice. You're playing Nebraska twice. You're playing Michigan State twice. Playing Penn State twice. Minnesota twice. Maryland twice. Uh, So it all it all kind of balances out. What what are your feelings on Purdue playing on Christmas Day? This is a one time. I I believe this is a one time thing, unless we're still in COVID next basketball season. I. I don't see them playing on Christmas Day next year if things are normal. But you now I, I think it's it's a good idea because the, the the number one thing here is that most teams, not all, but most teams are going to be staying on campus over Christmas. You know, Purdue, you know, just for example, Purdue's last game before Christmas is December 22nd at Iowa. And then their first game after Christmas is December 29th at Rutgers. You know, if you didn't play on Christmas Day, that would be a seven-day break, and kids would go home, and players would go home, families, you know, you would do the normal Christmas stuff. But most teams are just, they're staying on campus because they don't want to send their kids home um, and potentially bring the virus back into whatever bubble that they have created on campus, not just at Purdue, but other places within the team. And, you know, that can wreck a season right there, you know, by bringing the virus in, that can completely undo a lot of what has already been done to make sure that you that the Big Ten and other conferences can have a season. Now, I don't believe every school is on board with keeping their kids on campus. Some of them may go home. 
you know, I think that's going to be dangerous uh, from the virus standpoint because you you can you can wipe out your Big Ten season if the, if people aren't careful and uh, people do get involved in in gatherings that they shouldn't be. Um, and uh, this is going to be really interesting to watch. But if you're going to be on campus over Christmas, why not play a game? And I know some some people have reacted uh, to this about, well, what about their families? What about their parents? What about all that? Well, you know, parents can come to the games. So you do have that part of, you know, the family part where players' parents will be at the game on Christmas Day and they'll be able to interact and spend time with them uh, uh, during during that day, depend, you know, depending on what time the game is and all that. But otherwise, these players would be sitting in their apartments, you know, by themselves, not doing anything other than looking at their phones or looking at their, you know, iPads or whatever. Um, and, you know, I think they've all done that. You know, at some point or another, they've had to quarantine either because of the virus or because of contact tracing, and they've all been isolated at home. I mean, they don't. They don't want to do that. At least you get a game. You get a chance to to get out and do something. Sure, you can practice, but you can only practice so much. Uh, so, you know, I, I I like the idea just for this one year because I think it adds a little variety to it. Uh, and you know, the other thing, people are going to be home on Christmas. You know, based on you know everything we've seen and all the the guidelines that are out there. You know, people are encouraged to stay home and. Uh, have small gatherings, um, and go from there. And this will give people another op, you know, another avenue to watch something other than the NBA. If you're not an NBA head, then you can watch some Big Ten college basketball. I I just wish they would have done a full slate of, of games on Christmas Day, all seven. Just do seven games. You gone. You could have gone from noon to 11 p.m. with Big Ten basketball, start to finish. Uh, I think that would have been. I think that would have been a nice deal, uh, but you know, four games is probably enough when you when you look at it. And they've got some uh, the day after Christmas as well, and the, I believe they're playing some games on the twenty third. So, you know, but just the fact that the players and the coaches are going to be there on campus uh, just leads to this. And I don't you know, again, this is going to be. I, I believe this will be a one time thing. And the other thing that's going to be different about this year, and it's already out there is that, you know, one of Purdue's non-conference games against Oakland on December 1st is going to start at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's a Tuesday afternoon, and it's going to be on TV. So, I mean, the difference is, do you want that game at 7 o'clock at night, no fans, and it's streamed somewhere, either on ESPN Plus or uh, BTN, or do you want to play it at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and it can be on TV? You know, I think getting on TV uh, right now is probably the smarter thing to do um, because the Big Ten needs to to get as many games on TV as possible to, you know, try to keep the revenue flowing in. Um, so I think you'll, you might see more of that throughout the throughout the league. Like, there's no need to wait around till 7 or 9 o'clock at night to play a game when you can play it earlier in the day when you don't have fans, you don't have... Uh, those things, uh, the logistics of those things uh, to deal with. But that's just 
that's just one example, and we'll see if there's other Big Ten teams that that do that. But you know, I think that's you know, I think that's a positive. And again, you know, I think the Big Ten and their TV partners and all the schools are trying to to do what they can to to get a few more dollars in. And I know people kind of snub their nose at the revenue part of it, but as you've seen, it's a it's a very very important part of of college athletics. You know, Purdue, like a lot of other schools, have had to institute furloughs and you know pay cuts and things like that all because you're just not playing enough games. And we all know where the revenue comes from. And if you can do some things throughout the course of a basketball season to get more games on TV, even though they may not be at the traditional times, I, I think you got to do it. And, you know, I think most people in the Big Ten are agreement to that. And, you know, I think you might see, uh, just might see more of that uh, this year. You know, a lot of your bigger games are going to be in prime time at 7 or 9 o'clock at night because that's the way TV wants it. So it'd be very, I think it'd be very, you know, you're going to have a few games that might be in the afternoon during the week or things like that. Uh, It's not going to be an across the board every game type of thing. But those are just, you know, some challenges that have to happen uh, during the course of this year. All righty. Well, we appreciate you stopping by. Uh, Questions, comments, concerns. Reach out, email, Twitter, uh, however else you want to do it. Call my landline if you can find it. Um, And then uh, we'll be back after Friday night's game to recap uh, Purdue football at Minnesota. And then next week we'll get into a little bit more basketball as uh, the Boilermakers will be in Florida to open up uh, the season down there with two games. Liberty on Wednesday night and then either Clemson or Mississippi State Uh, on Thanksgiving night. All right, we appreciate you stopping by. Have a good day, and uh, check back after uh, Friday night's game uh, between Purdue and Minnesota for a recap of uh, what went on up in Minneapolis.